cliffcentral.com. All righty then. Yeah. Yes, it is a yeah. uh, Thursday morning, which means it's time for us to check in on the burning platform. And we've got... Oh, sorry, is Gareth trying to speak to us? Uh, Gareth is not trying to speak to us, Canton. He actually is speaking to us. Yes, come on, Canton. Yeah, try to behave. <laughs> on the other side of the Pura Vos Hordain. This guy was, was supposed to be in studio, in studio this, morning. this morning. I've got yeah. uh, feedback on my... Yeah, see why I didn't come in because uh, I knew that technically you wouldn't be able to uh, figure it out, all of you. So I thought I'd just stay here. All right, Canton is in the studio with us. Pumi is in the studio. I am at my house, and we also have a guest coming in this morning. Someone called Ashley Sauls the first, who is the Patriotic Alliance's premier candidate for Gauteng, former MMC for Health, Social Development, and Transport. So, Canton, people are still reeling from. Some of your questions to uh, Mayor Mpopalatse the other day, but I think she did really well. I, I thought that the mayor quitted herself very, very well indeed. Mm. I think, <laughs> no, really. But, you know, most people kind of get into an absolute state of panic when you start asking them reasonably tough questions. But yeah, uh, Especially when you pitch up with photographs of, of uh, low water bridges like you did. But the, she didn't, yeah, she and, didn't flinch. She was pretty I mean, good. That's, that stuff went viral after that. And, uh, you know, when you get to the point where Caxton papers are putting it on their front pages, then you know that mm-hmm. you've actually managed to strike a chord. <laughs> so, Canton, I did see some things this week, and I don't know if it's as a result of the mayor being back in, in office or whether it's just, the city feeling like it needs to finally do something. I saw them trimming weeds and cleaning up the islands on Ravonia Road, which is great because they haven't done that for months, if not years. Um, are there any other improvements we're starting to see? Because people are looking for those green shoots that we uh, were promised so long ago, not just by mayors and politicians um, at local level, but even at the, at the national level. Have you seen any improvements? Well, I've seen fewer potholes in some parts of Johannesburg. I don't know if that's been the general experience. So I'm, you know, I'm trying to look for the optimistic side of things here. You've seen, you've seen less potholes, you Uh, say? Fewer potholes, yes, in in some parts of of Joburg. But at the same time, you know, in other parts, uh, they've actually turned into like proper dongas. Did you see the big story this week about the head of the JRA? Well, we're supposed to be talking about the head of Oh, I'm very excited to hear about this. Uh, we will get into that just and, uh, now. And, and I know Pumi's got <laughs> strong opinions on the subject lined up. Whoa. All right, well. Uh, it, it, we also have, look, it's, it's, we only have an hour. We've got a guest coming in. And while we're waiting for the guest, first let's talk about 2024 and Donald Trump. <laughs> yes, talk about let's 2024 Let's talk about and 2024 and Donald Trump. We're going to have a very busy two years, guys. Another in, Donald Trump thing candidacy. In, in terms of the... I can't hear you, Canton. Canton's on mute, guys. Canton's oh. on mute, not mm. me. Okay, now hang on a second. I've been muted. Simpua is very busy fluttering Simpua. around the studio here today. She's helping us Simpua, out. I'll, I'm on Give mute us right a here few on this thing. No, you're back now. So uh, you were saying a very interesting thing about Trump? Is that, is that. The, uh, the very interesting thing is not going to be Trump itself, but the extent to which big tech can be reined in ahead of the 2024 elections. Because the amount of uh, of gamification that's been going on 
over the past couple of weeks around the 2024 elections mm-hmm. is fairly hectic. So uh, let me give you a very simple example. You go to YouTube and you try and search for uh, Trump's um, uh, announcement a couple of days ago that he's going to run. Mm-hmm. YouTube then serves you up with videos from 2016. Hmm. Then, so that, that's, you know, one of the immediate examples. And then if you scroll through and you try to be a bit more granular in your search, they will give you the CNN take on it. They will give you the ABC take on it, which are, are very short, uh, expurgated uh, <laughs> editions of the same. So right. what, what they're trying to do is to, is to craft a narrative. But here's the biggest narrative that's going on right now that people haven't actually got their heads around. The narrative is the big red wave failed to materialize. Mm-hmm. And Trump has been a disaster for the Republican Party, and he has to go. This is kind of a uniform thing that you will see across almost every media platform right now. No matter uh, uh, where you go searching for it, that's what they're telling you. That, And they'll give you, here's a list of all of the Trump candidates that lost. Yeah. But actually, Trump, Trump endorsed, uh, you know, literally a couple of hundred Over candidates. Over 300. Yes, yeah. And the overwhelming majority of them won. So then, is this is this just straight up bullshit? Well, no, it's it's straight up uh, spin. They're trying to manipulate you on the basis that uh, they're trying to say that Trump's uh, entire approach to this election was a failure. And and I'm saying, why do you think that is? Because they don't want uh, uh, him to be going into the 2024 elections by being seen as a success on the part of the people who actually went and voted for him. And, the, you know, there were essentially people who voted for Trump because of the fact that um, he but, went out and campaigned but and, really, and had these massive rallies. But really, across the board, this this does seem to be the narrative. But, but even on, on right-wing news sources, which I try to ingest as much as I do the, the mainstream and left wing or, or you know organizations that i that i use for for this kind of research uh it does turn out in the numbers that of his gubernatorial and senate picks only a few got in um you know some of his big loud endorsements didn't happen i mean brian kemp was someone he didn't want to win and he he took the senate comfortably carrie lake in arizona was not a success he backed her fully um you know there are people like the the, the 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 guy who was running up against uh, Kathy Hochul in in New York, who was not a Trump guy, and thank God for him because they've won the house by such a slim majority. But Gareth, thanks you to see, people you in New York, pro- you are now proof you are now proof positive that the New York Post uh, that the sorry the New York Times spin on stuff has actually penetrated through, and we can drill down to a lot of those things that actually. Uh, so let's take the Carrie Lake, uh, Lake example. Yeah, and. Carrie Lake's election was essentially once again in Arizona determined by one county. Maricopa County. Maricopa. Yeah, it was Maricopa County. Now, what was the issue in Maricopa County? In Maricopa County, when the polls opened in the morning, a significant number of the voting machines, primarily in the Republican parts of the city, were not working in the morning. Now, remember that you have a scenario in the U.S., Unlike South Africa, where we have uh, a public holiday on election day so that everyone can go out, people out there actually need to take time off from work in order to go and work. 
And remember that the majority yeah. of your Republican voters in those places are going to be essentially blue-collar workers. So, you know, they've, they've gotten to the polls early. Then, um, at the time at which the polls closed, there were massive lines of people who had missed on their chance to vote earlier on in the day. They came in the evening and tried to continue. They tried to vote at that point in the evenings, but the polls closed. And... Uh, and again, this is the prerogative of the local county officials. And so they were able to do that. But that race went down to the wire. They were counting um, for a couple of days after the elections played out. So I'm just going to park that. Okay, but then, as, you as know, the Democrats would say, one specific example. the Democrats would say, oh, no, here's Canton Pire. He's a he's clearly a, um, a an election, election denier. denier. No. That's what they call no, people I'm not like an you. election denier. I'm saying that it's legal, but I'm saying that everyone actually takes the opportunity to try and tip the balance in their favor. And oh, if it's legal, that's fine. There's, I, so there's, yeah. no, there, there's, no, there's no rigging. There's no gerrymandering. But, you know, so everything that took place out there, though, was completely legal. And, you know, the courts, in fact, ratified it. So, <laughs> but, but, Captain, you still haven't answered my why. Why is it so important that going into the 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 presidential race. Yes. There's this huge conspiracy of people who don't want Trump or Trump voters to believe that he has got the upper hand. Well, the interesting thing that you need to take a look at is uh, what happened over the past 48 hours. So over the past 48 hours, you might notice that um, there was a, quote, missile attack, unquote, on Poland. Poland. Okay. Hmm. And immediately all of the media, without fail, said the Russians have uh, have now bombed Poland. We need to invoke Article 5 of, the, of NATO, and everyone needs to now rally around and essentially declare World War Three. Right. And, you know, almost everyone without exception climbed on that bandwagon. And what's interesting is if you take a look across the board at U.S. politicians, the single thing that unites the Democrats and the Republicans is that military-industrial complex machine. And right now... Do you Trump, all their pockets? Mm, the exactly. Entire and right now, Trump is a candidate that is not part of that military-industrial complex machine. And that's why you've now got a scenario where the New York Post, which is part of the military-industrial complex machine, mm -hmm. and uh, all of the left-leading media, they're all uniting on this. We need to get Trump out of here because... Otherwise, he's going to come and the money supply actually dries up for the rest of us. And that's a, a very kind of clear indication. Remember, we spoke about this ahead of the elections. And I yeah. said, the real divide is not in terms of Democrats versus Republicans. It's Trump Republicans versus non-Trump Republicans. And right now, the situation that we've got in the House is that the overwhelming majority of Republicans that came in were Trump-endorsed Republicans. And how that translates now going into the next two years ahead of the elections is going to be very interesting because the question is whether they are now going to start doing things like getting tough on the big tech manipulation. And the big tech manipulation is very clear. You know, to anyone out there right now, Fire up Google on, in one browser window. Fire up DuckDuckGo in another browser window. 
Go and search for Trump endorsed candidates. Yeah. I've already, I've just done okay. that now. So, so <laughs> this is part of the problem, Canton, is that people don't know who to believe. I mean, Amir says, for example, why should we trust you, Canton? You said that Trump would win two years ago. <laughs> people are listening. I they did are indeed. paying attention. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, well done, Amir. You were paying attention, absolutely. And... The question in terms of whether Trump is in a position to win in two years' time, he's going to have a really rough time. I, I think that uh, we haven't yet seen um, the extent to which the military-industrial complex is actually going to rally together and try and keep this guy out of office. Frankly, I don't think he's got a chance in 2024 at this stage, just simply because there are far too many people who have a vested interest in keeping the guy out of office. So DeSantis then, is that who you put your vote No, on? I don't think it's going to be DeSantis mm. because I don't think DeSantis is going to go up Trump. You see, that's going to be you know the other interesting thing because I, I think that DeSantis right now, uh, he's going to serve out his two terms as, uh, as Florida governor and thereafter actually throw his hat into the ring. Mm. Now what? But going ahead in 2024. Really? You think he's going to wait? He's going to and await it out. So I, can I, anybody go against Trump in the Republican Party then for that president's candidacy? In the Republican Party right now, I can't think of it. But you see, the more interesting thing for me is who is going to be the Democrat candidate who goes up against him. And that's that's the far more interesting question hmm. uh, <laughs> in my book. By the way, uh, the interesting thing, Gareth, if we go back to the Senate race in um Georgia. Okay, that's uh, okay. Raphael Warnock and Stacey. Herschel Walker. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, but you see that that um, that election went to a runoff. Yeah. And the reason why the election went to the runoff is because both candidates got less than fifty percent. Why did they get less than fifty percent? Because there was a libertarian candidate who actually. Um, uh, took up the balance. Mm-hmm. And so the interesting thing in terms of that race, okay, you ask yourself, is a libertarian voter more likely to vote Democrat or Republican? Probably Republican. Yes. So if, if you, you know, take those numbers and if you take the libertarian candidates out of that particular race, then yeah, Herschel would have walked that particular election, which, which again is, is another kind of interesting take on that. Now, that doesn't mean that he's going to win when they have the runoff in two months' time because uh, you might have election fatigue at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, but remember, election fatigue is going to cut both ways. So you're going to have Democrats who are going to say, oh, well, you know, we've got control of the Senate. So, you know, whether the Republicans go from 49 to 50 actually doesn't matter to us anymore. Don't you don't you think talking about the military industrial complex and everything else? Don't you think the average American is pretty damn confused as to why they're giving so much money to the Ukraine? I mean, I'm even confused, and I'm not an American taxpayer. They've just Joe Biden is now saying they need to give a couple more billion to Zelensky in in the Ukraine, and a lot of people saying, "Well, what is this for?" You know, are you really standing up for democracy? Because democracy is first of all, in the case of Ukraine millions of kilometers away it's not the kind of thing that anyone in america particularly cares about as far as most americans are concerned they wouldn't know the difference between a ukrainian and a russian even if they were standing in front of them 
And people are looking at this with more suspect eyes than maybe ever before, Canton. Or do you think I'm being well, extra in fact, cynical? In, in, in fact, there was a, a, a Ukrainian who was uh, killed in New York City last week because they thought that he was a Russian. So, yes, you're absolutely right. Yeah. So proving my <laughs> point, I mean, it's, it's now the bill for this is going into the, into the tens of, if not the hundreds of billions um, and people are saying, well, Garrett, well, why? It was, you know, it was different when we were defending Europe against the Nazis. But, but what are we doing now? The thing that's confusing there is was... the fact that you say, why are they giving the Ukraine all this money? But there, it's not a gift, right? It's a loan. Yes. And that Most loan is, is, and that loan is meant to buy arms and weapons. And guess who they buy the arms and the weapons from? So it's, it's a very big Ponzi scheme. Like we were talking about. Well, remember Afghanistan, Gareth. They mm. ended up leaving Afghanistan. They left behind $380 billion worth of equipment. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, there were more, more attack helicopters left behind in uh, Afghanistan than most of uh, the U.S.'s allies have actually received from the U.S. Yeah. So, yeah, but it was $300 billion that's already been spent. So... You know, what are they going to do? Bring it back and, uh, uh, and then Congress is not going to give them more money because, you know, they're going to say just redistribute the stuff we've got. So no, rather leave all that stuff out there and then spend more Make money. New stuff. Unstuff. Uh, quickly before we're joined so, by Ashley Sauls, um, you talk about this tech thing and, and this yes. is a massive, massive story that doesn't seem to be getting the oxygen that it needs. Is there, is there complete imbalance in, Silicon Valley when it comes to politics and what do you think the entry of Elon Musk may or may not do to this because people are talking about this more than ever before um, but the only way the, the only place that you don't see any of this discussion is on the internet because it's so throttled and controlled and there are narratives and there are algorithms that have been fiddled with in order to deliver particular results um, how bad is it and and is there a way to fix it Look, bad is kind of a loaded question, and, <laughs> and 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 I don't like you know using words like like bad. Just simply, the, you know, the idea is that you need to have the playing fields actually level. So one of the things that Musk has been doing is saying that the algorithm is going to be transparent, and that means that anyone can actually dig down and see how Twitter is actually doing the filtering. The reason why I believe that he will do that, is remember that he open-sourced all of the technology that went with with Tesla mm-hmm. on the assumption that his competitors can actually pick it up and uh, and make use of it. And similarly, you know, he came up with the concept of the Hyperloop. Uh, he didn't actually put it into business himself. He, he just put everything out there. So at that level, I do believe that the guy is actually quite serious in terms of uh, of what he's going about. We are going to see a significant shift in terms of CNN, as an example, because ever since the merger that took place between um, uh, between Warner and uh, and Discovery, there's been a strong emphasis on turning those businesses into places that actually make money, you know, <laughs> as opposed to you know three hundred and something million dollars that was blown on CNN Plus and then they shut it down. So. Is there a shift that's going to be coming between now and then? I think absolutely so. There's going to be transparency in terms of uh, of Twitter. There's going to be increasing scrutiny in terms of uh, of Facebook. And you, you've seen the the massive scale back that has already taken place uh, in terms of uh, matters. In, uh, well, I was going to say one mm. of the things that has been 
hardly spoken about is how in the past two weeks, almost that entire tech industry has gone into either a slowdown. I mean, I, I think the air has been sucked out of the room by the fact that everybody's talking about everything that's happening at Twitter, right? So with all of the layoffs, with all of, is it right-sizing, is it downsizing, with the open sourcing, with the, the what is being termed in um, in the tech circles as Twitter chaos and meltdown, right, is one of the things that we're not talking enough about is watching what else is happening in the tech sector. And the fact that in the tech sector, there has been a massive shedding of jobs. I'm still reeling from the fact that Meta, you know, we, I don't know if you saw the letter that um, that the father of Facebook put out last Mark Friday. Eleven. Five eleven thousand five hundred jobs they had a to lot. let go of. It's a fortune. Like what? Yes, and the number's actually going to go up to thirteen thousand. And the number mm. keeps going up. But you know, and I was listening to a podcast about that and hence my word right sizing. Right? Mm. Is it really downsizing or is it right sizing? <laughs> because even though these numbers are huge and we we said for all the people that are losing these jobs, these are also numbers that have been brought onto the sector in the past two years. Was it just, you know, being optimistic on the part of all of these people in the past two years, bringing on all these jobs and now they well, can you see, see they're not making the kind of, of money they the, thought they part would? Part of the problem that, we, that we've had in terms of the, the media in the U.S. is the same as the problem that we have in the media in this country where the media in our country right now doesn't really exist to make a profit. And you ask yourself how many of our media outlets are actually profitable in, in this country. So, mm. you know, is Arena uh, Media uh, actually profitable? No. Is uh, the IOL? Yeah, IOL. Uh, is the independent group profitable? No. Daily you know, Maverick? Uh, does, does ENCA make money? No. Newsroom uh, Africa? Newsroom Africa, do they make money? No. They're all dependent on the people who actually own the platforms continue to inject cash into it. And the idea behind the reason why all of these platforms actually exist is in order to sway particular political opinions. So, but the shift that's happening in the U.S. now, Gareth, is that because of the fact that you have shareholders there that are now sitting up and, uh, uh, and, and saying, hey, hang on a second, we actually need to fix this. So Zuckerberg's problem is that his shareholders have basically said, You'd been dumping all of this money into trying to develop um, the metaverse, this virtual uh, reality environment, and it's you, you're not showing us a clear path to profitability in terms of how it's going to work. Nobody wants to walk around wearing a headset, you know. Nobody wants yeah. to walk around uh, wearing glasses if they're not used to wearing glasses, mm -hmm. and it's just not going to work. And more to the point. You're not going to walk around. You're going to sit in your lounge. No, people with competing technology. So uh, Bill Gates has competing technology. He doesn't want uh, Zuckerberg to own that space. Google, you might remember, had Google Glass a few years ago. Mm. And they've still got that tech. And they pulled it out at that time because it was not cost effective for them to be further developing it. But nobody wants um, Zuckerberg to actually end up owning that uh, that environment. So deliberate sabotage. What? Yeah, but uh, it's, it's what we would call competition in capitalism. So just, just one thing. 
One last thing, because I do want to squeeze this in before we get to the Patriotic Alliance and local politics. I, I saw a, a clip yesterday, which was pretty interesting, about um, Chairman Xi of the uh, Chinese Communist Party tucking in to Justin Trudeau at the G20 for leaking a conversation the two of them had had to the press. Um, he, through an interpreter, basically dressed down Justin Trudeau and said, everything we discussed yesterday has been leaked to the papers. That's not appropriate, and that is not the way a conversation should be conducted. And Trudeau uh, came up with some mealy-mouthed reply. But it's clear to me who the strong man in that discussion was, and it's obvious also that Trudeau was quite shaken afterwards because he walked away like a, you know, a wet puppy dog afterwards. And I just wonder what the power dynamics are at a thing like the G20. Um, it, it's clear that it's, you know, not, all nations are not equal, and some nations, uh, even if they are supposed to be below or above other nations, they have leaders who stand up and, and, and take no nonsense. And clearly, that is the kind of person that G is. Any comments on that? A very, very important thing for us to remember is that when the powers from the East are talking to each other, and they are talking to each other all the time. So mm. I'm talking primarily now in, in terms of, uh, of Russia and India and China. The conversations between them are ongoing, and they, they're very intense, and, but all of it takes place outside of the public eye, and right. that really is the essence of, uh, uh, of diplomacy. Diplomacy has been dead in the Western world for a significant chunk of time now. Everything is all about posturing. And it is, uh, so, you know, a very good example is uh, this purported attack on uh, on Poland, mm -hmm. where everyone was saying invoke Article 5. And then suddenly no one turns around and say, okay, we need to invoke Article 5 against Ukraine, because Ukraine's not a NATO member. Yeah. And Ukraine has now attacked a NATO member, but... Uh, uh, and, and so the narrative shift actually happens. And to try and get people to understand that the, uh, that most of the BRICS countries and, and by extension, you know, people like the Saudis and the Iranians, uh, even the Nigerians actually don't play in that public posturing space. Everything actually takes <laughs> place, uh, be, uh, behind the scenes. And this is and, all Trudeau uh, has. It's, it's a disadvantage. Hmm? This is all, Tr this is all Trudeau has. This is all he can do. Yes, yeah. because right now, even in his own backyard, he's facing issues in terms of uh, 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 of dissent. All right, let's uh, let's get local uh, because Ashley Saul's the first Patriotic Alliance Premier candidate for Gauteng and a former MMC for Health, Social Development, and Transport is on the line and joins us this morning. Um, Ashley Saul's, very nice to have you. How how are you? Hi, Gareth. I'm very well, thanks, and uh, to your colleagues in studio there as well. No problem. Uh, I was going to join you all in studio. For some reason, I got the time wrong. Yeah, well, you, listen, you patriotic guys, you patriotic alliance guys need to get your act together because it seems at the moment all you're doing is ruining coalitions <laughs> and, and, and messing up local governments, or is that just my opinion? Give us, uh, give us a, a little brief on where you guys are at the moment. You're, you want to be the premier of Gauteng. Um, but at this stage, all we see is uh, a whole lot of, of local uh, coalitions breaking down. We see the Patriotic Alliance standing up for certain things and not for others. Um, it seems to me a bit of a mess, just as an observer. Do you want to tell us how the Patriotic Alliance is faring in Gauteng, and then we can take it from there? 
Yeah, I think uh, your intro comment. It is just, it is just a an opinion. Uh, well, the Patriot, Patriotic Alliance is very, very clear around what our mandate is, and um, we are obviously we are not destroying coalitions. What we are doing is we are we have made our message clear that the reason why we go into a power sharing arrangement uh, is specifically to get the power to serve to ensure that our constituency and the residents that we serve, uh, that we have an opportunity to provide such a service. And we also was, was very clear from the onset that at a particular point where we feel that we are disrespected and two, that we are not enabled by whatever arrangement to ensure that we are able to provide uh, services to our constituency and to the residents of the city or wherever we, we are in power, uh, that we will be clear that we will not stand for it and we will make decisive a decisive move or take decisive action uh, to, to leave such an arrangement. And that's exactly what we have been doing consistently. We have not uh, acted in any untoward way. We were very transparent and truthful from the onset. As a matter of fact, our president, His Excellency Gaten McKenzie, uh, is the only politician in this country uh, that has been truthful and transparent to the citizens of this country. Pums, you want to pick so this up? So speaking of being in office, speaking of being in office and not power, um, and the mandate that you have, maybe you can share that with us. I think... Um, you know, until about two years ago, uh, we didn't really know what the Patriotic Alliance was about. And you yourself weren't even a member of the Patriotic Alliance at the time. You were part of Make Aldo's Great Again, right? You were the founding member of Make Aldo's Great Again. So what exactly is the mandate and what's, what's the Patriotic Alliance's stand? Our stance is to is to not be masters of the art of politics uh, like all the other political parties are. And as you rightfully mentioned that I'm the founder of Make Elders Great Again. In other words, I, I, am, I am prone to service. I'm prone to service the, the Make Elders Great Again movement uh, is, is, was, was, was based on my activism. And the, the Patriotic Alliance sort of enables that. It allows me to serve the community. It allows me to ensure that whatever I've been fighting for through that activism, our advocacy group, uh, that I'm able to ensure that it comes through governmental systems. So our mandate is not to master the art of politics, but to specialize in the heart of politics. It's to, it's to be on the ground. It's to serve our people. And of course, the big one for us uh, is to is to ensure that we achieve the dream of reconciling and bringing all races together within this country, and that is that is what we stand for. Okay, well, but we're talking about local politics, so at the risk of getting into the same trouble I did when I last brought this up with someone who was running for a local political office. We're not actually interested in you trying to solve the big problems of the universe. What we're interested in is getting traffic lights working, water and electricity supply, collecting rubbish. 
I don't really care about your big goals and ambitions. And it sounds to me like a lot of hot air from a politician so far. You, saw, you say how clear you've been clear. You mentioned that three times. I think you used the word clear four times in your opening. It's not clear what the Patriotic Alliance stands for, actually. What do you guys stand for? Well, Garrett, perhaps if you, if you are not biased to the words that I'm using, I guess it's just semantics. Uh, it is not universal goals. And, of course, you have a right to your opinion if you feel that it's universal goals. Don't worry, about me. Don't worry about me. Explain yourself. Tell, talk to the people I'm who are listening. Myself, Don't worry about me. No, I'm, I must address your opinion first of all. I mean, uh, so I'm saying that it's your opinion, uh, that it's universal goals. But when I started, if you listened correctly, I said it is to serve the people. And that, that term speaks to the fact that we're talking about uh, service delivery. We're talking about uh, fixing potholes. We're talking about uh, ensuring that our uh, that the residents of the city has proper health care. Uh, when I was MMC of uh, health, we're talking about uh, better roads, better streets, keeping the lights on, uh, the bread and butter issues. We are talking about that. If you see what uh, our president is doing in the central Karua, he went in there within 100 days, he addressed bread and butter issues. People didn't have, was not using proper toilets. They were using bucket toilets. In 100 days, they are now having proper toilets. Those are bread and butter issues. Fixed pools, brought in factories. Those are bread and butter issues. So the Patriotic Alliance stance is clear and it is practical. So I'm sorry if you don't see that, but I think it's because you have a bias towards what we do. I happen to have given money to Gates and McKenzie. Just, Hang just on, I happen to have given <laughs> I happen to have given some money to Gates and McKenzie to build some of those toilets. And I happen to think he's pretty good at what he's doing there. What I'm questioning is what you're doing in Gauteng. But we're talking but, about the Patriotic Alliance. And if you want to understand what I'm doing, and thank you for the donation because that that means that you actually believe. No, you just called me. You called so you me biased. Have, don't go, don't go you, thank you, me in the same sense. You should sentence. have mentioned. You should have mentioned that. Gaten McKenzie is dealing with bread and butter issues. That's why you're supporting the PA. But in Gauteng, if you want to address what we have done, and then we must speak about the when you were, that When you were health. MMC, how, how did you make health better as MMC? Tell us that. Which was, that was going to be my question, yes. Okay, first of all, I went to the clinics. Instead of instead of just receiving reports, I went to the clinics and we dealt with uh, the issues that that was plaguing the local health uh, fraternity or the local health department. For example, when I was working in clinics, helping to clean, uh, to show what it is that we want within the clinics, I discovered, for example, that someone like like Auntie Daisy, who is cleaning the EP9 clinic for years, has to buy cleaning material. And there is no cleaning material in clinics. I'm just mentioning one basic thing. And when we got into it, we saw that uh, it is actually true that there's no, there's no, there's a problem within the supply chain uh, 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 department uh, that was under the MMC, a DA MMC. And we addressed that issue to say health is is an essential service. So whatever the challenges are, we've got to ensure that we have basic things such as cleaning materials uh, at clinics. And uh, we addressed that situation, but unfortunately, uh, internally, they were also draining their feet and we were not able to do what we want to do within the health department. Secondly, we also dealt with the issue that we want nurses to, uh, to, to function properly, but nurses, 
are, are not receiving a proper salary in comparison to other municipalities. And so how can we expect nurses to, to do the job that we expect them to do without us rewarding them properly? To the organogram structured for nurses, for example, you have a nurse that is trained to deal with people is now an ops manager. The organogram is not structured uh, for the nursing field. This caused a major problem for service delivery. The lines was long, unnecessarily so. And we went to, I did random visits to clinics and showed how we can ensure that these, that lines get shorter, that there is, that there is designated lines for our elderly and our disabled. Just Ashley, before, I like the fact that you, you're talking about properly resourced uh, in order to be able to do their jobs. I'm very interested to know how you are properly resourced. What is your background that gives you so much authority to be able to tell us that the organograms in clinics are right or wrong, that nurses are overpaid or underpaid? What is your background that allows you to have this amazing authority? Firstly, I care. And secondly, I was the MMC of health and social yeah, development. But based so, on what? Based, based on, on the, fact the fact that the last guy was fired by Gettin McKenzie. No, based on the fact that whilst I was in <laughs> That's office, how you got the job though, right? You, the, you got the job to be MMC because the last guy was fired by Gettin McKenzie? No, that's not correct. That is untrue, but I'll deal with that in a minute. Let me first deal with your first question. No, please how deal do with I know? that first. No, I need to deal with both. I'll deal with both. Firstly, how do I know it and what authority do I have? I'm the, I was the MMC of health. I met with the, the acting ED and all the directors. And then I went to the ground, met with staff to understand what are the issues. And one of that, those was one of the burning issues. And then we've got the facts, the statistics, we've got the data, and they showed me how the organogram does not speak to how, uh, to the field of nursing. So that's how I know based on authority. To your second, to your second <laughs> issue, it is not So someone true. told you. No, it is documented. In other words, if you go there now, no matter who's the MMC, and you speak to the technocrats, they will confirm the information I'm giving to you. And it has to change because it's affecting how our nurses are operating on the ground. So, so, you, the, are not the techno, so you are not the technocrat. Somebody else is the, the technocrat. You, you are a politician. That's your that background. Speaks to the, that speaks to the needs of the, of, the, of the people. That's the balance that our system brings. You have the technocrats and you have me as the politician who's supposed to bring in what exactly the people are going through on the ground. That's what I did. Uh, on your issue of, of he fired someone for me to come in, that's not true. Uh, 2021... Was Councillor Delanga... Was Councillor Delanga not fired from the Patriotic Alliance and that's how you got your position? Councillor Delanga is a member of the Freedom Front Plus. How can the Patriotic Alliance fire him? Okay, just give me a second because, the, in fact, no, no, it's not Councillor Delanga because I'm looking at the so Sowetan Live the from the Sowetan Live from the 22nd of February is how you got your position. And uh, because you came in to the Patriotic Alliance, we spoke a little bit earlier about your Make Elders Great Again position as a, oh God, sorry about that. And you came into the Patriotic Alliance to replace 
as and at the time were they not calling you Wembiza? Are you the same person? Are you that same person? Are you Wembiza? Wembiza is an alter ego that I use online. Let's get back to oh. your wrong information to the public. Oh God! That Councillor Delanga was fired, and I replaced him. Councillor Delanga is not a member of the Patriotic Alliance. So get your facts straight. Let's first deal with that. How, where do you get information that I replaced Councillor Delanga and he's a member of the Patriotic Alliance? Where do you get that from? Maybe you have an alter ego like Umbiza. Catherine, do you, you got any feeding, questions? You are feeding your viewers wrong information. See, the interesting thing for me here, here Gareth, is you know, not in terms of you know, whether Ashley's intentions are good and, and so forth. Lloyd it's, Phillips. Yeah, Lloyd it, Phillips is the member that you replaced. Yeah, it's, it's a Lloyd question Phillips of... A, Lloyd <laughs> Phillips, once again, you're providing falsified information, and that's deception, using the truth. All right, well, correct us. This is what we're here to do. So I'm, correct I'm us. You, was Lloyd, Phillips, was Lloyd Phillips fired by Gaten McKenzie as being a sellout, and then you got to replace him? And so that's first, how you were sworn in. Let me correct you first. So you do agree that you were wrong about Councillor yes, Delanga? Yes, I do agree. You have to move on. Right. You now, have to move on. Around Lloyd Phillips, I did not become the MMC of Health and Social Development by replacing Lloyd Phillips. At the time I became MMC of Health and Social Development, Lloyd Phillips, Councillor Lloyd Phillips, was an, or is a member of the Good Party. So I did not replace Lloyd Phillips. You were wrong again. When I became... Uh, the MMC of Health and Social Development, I did not replace Lloyd Phillips. Lloyd Phillips left the party not this year, not after local government elections. So that is not true. After local government elections, we went from one seat to eight seats. So I didn't replace him to become MMC of Health and Social Development. That's not true. So actually, you so so then you're saying that the Sunday Times, the Sowetan, have all incorrectly incorrectly reported on your seat as mmc of health and social development well who was there before you who was the mmc of health and social development before you councillor delanga from the ff plus right. in the new administration and before that it was it was mmc in Tina from the mmc from the anc lloyd right. fellows was never the mmc of health and social and, and how long how long were you mmc for I think for about three months, I would think. All right. And um, um, why didn't that last? Is it because the the, the, the local government collapsed because of the coalitions not uh, holding together? Yes, because the DA was arrogant and racist. Okay. And as a result, we left the coalition. So who would you guys be in a coalition with? Anybody. Our president was clear from the onset. He was the most truthful politician to this country when he said, that we will go with anybody, even the Avia if I have to quote him. But they're racist. So he was truthful that's about that. The, that's the, sure the, that's the reason you left surprised. the DA coalition is because they, they, uh, they were racist and arrogant. I mean, surely the Avia are racist by definition. So that's a silly comment to make. It doesn't make sense. How doesn't it make sense? Well, you just said, if you, I say to you, you just said why you got out of the DA coalition because of arrogance and racism. Then you tell me, Correct. oh, no, but we would be in an alliance with anybody, including the Avia Beer, who by definition are racist. So where are your principles? 
That is the principle. The principle is just like to, just like during the apartheid regime, Gareth. The reason why we're sitting in a democracy here today is because the brilliance and the wisdom of our leaders then who knew and understood that if we're going to achieve an aim to transform this country, we're going to have to talk to anybody. But it doesn't mean that when we feel we disagree with that person that we cannot leave. And that's what we've done with the, with the, uh, with the DA who wants us, who does not want to work with us, but wants us to work for them in apartheid-style operations. We're not going to accept I, I would like Ashley, to get some we clarity. On, about that. I want to get some clarity, uh, Ashley, on exactly that particular question. Now, my understanding is that, um, and I was not party to this, so you'll need to actually tell me where I'm wrong, but my understanding is that there was a coalition agreement that was drawn up among the members of the coalition. So it was not a, a DA agreement. It was an agreement between all of the members of the coalition, which clearly outlined the terms for participation, and it defined things like who would be assigned to various positions on the uh, managerial committee and, uh, and so forth. Nowhere in there was there anything that said that if a person is arrogant, then the coalition agreement becomes null and void. Now, was there an agreement that was signed? So that's the first thing. The second thing is, did any of the parties, well, did the DA specifically, breach the terms of that agreement? Or was it just simply a question that you got upset around stuff that the DA was saying and you said, well, you're arrogant and racist and so we are leaving? Because you see, to my mind, those are two different things. And I'm not saying that the DA was not necessarily arrogant or racist. But I do believe that the way in which voters would expect politicians that they have voted for to conduct themselves would be within a framework of at least keeping to their word. And, you know, I'm going back to what you said about the leader of your party, you know, being one of the few politicians who has kept his word and been transparent with the electorate. So now my question is, did the DA actually breach the terms of the coalition agreement that you had in the city of Joburg? You're saying that you're not saying that they're arrogant, but you are giving them the benefit of the doubt. So I'm going to... No, I'm, 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 asking, I, the quest- I, I, I'm asking the question. And I'm feel free, feel free to I'm correct answering. me. Sure. I'm answering. So... In terms of the agreement, nothing says, indeed you're correct, there's no words that says you leave the coalition uh, if they are arrogant, right? But when you are in an agreement, which is one, the coalition agreement provides for us to have conversation when there are uh, possible proposals for restructuring to strengthen the coalition. And this is what we did as a partner. As a matter of fact, uh, the proposal that we made, all other partners agreed with it. All other partners agreed with it. So let me explain please, to you please what share, share, share that proposal with us, please. Yes, I'm about to do so. So you have two segments of local government. You have the legislature and you have the executive. And at the time when the speaker was replaced, this now opened an opportunity for us as a coalition now to have discussions around how are we going to now structure local government in order to further strengthen the coalition. And the proposal was made that we have an IFP speaker that was from Action SA. So everyone was part of the discussion, not just 
not just patriotic alliance. We are so that we balance out things because the DA had five MMCs on the executive and the legislature is supposed to hold them accountable, but they have a speaker, uh, they have the chief whip uh, on the legislature side. Uh, and so the, the point was, let's balance it out because now some of the coalition partners also joined later after the coalition agreements were signed. So now we can have renewed discussions to ensure that we balance the things out. The DA I, yeah, comes I, back... Just, I, I just want to interrupt for one second because I'm a bit confused out here yeah. because my understanding yeah. was that everything that you're talking about was already built into the coalition agreement. So, in, in yes, fact... but what, that on the time of signing, the coalition agreement did not anticipate that the speaker is going to be removed. So that opened up it's not rigid. No agreement is rigid. The one but you have just with Gareth... Okay, okay, help me here again. Why was the speaker, the speaker removed? The speaker did not act according to uh, his responsibility as a speaker. And some of the other parties put down a, a vote of no confidence, us as the Patriotic Alliance, even though we had disagreement and we had problems with the speaker that we submitted internally, we still went to council showing integrity as a party. We still went to council and voted with the coalition to keep the speaker Vasco da Gama. But other parties within the coalition did the opposite. So it was not us that removed the speaker, even though we had legitimate issue and we submitted it internally. And then to show you integrity, here's the irony of our integrity. So DA comes back with arrogance, doesn't listen to any of the partners, comes and, and threatens legal action and all of that kind of stuff and basically tells us, if you're not going to follow what we say, uh, then it's not going to work. Not just us, but t tell that to the entire partners. And that's arrogance. And we said to them, this is what we're going to do in terms of transparency. We're going to tell you what our decision is going to be. We disagree with you. We have tried uh, to, to have to come to an amicable agreement. You refuse based on your arrogance. Before we went to council, we informed them and informed the public. We were relieving the coalition. So it wasn't underhand. It wasn't scallopies done. Because on Zbaizani, we are very transparent and very clear. And we were clear with them. We said we are leaving this arrangement, which we have the right to do. We are not bound. <laughs> Uh, you know, by, no, uh, by no, I'm the hearing, I'm, I'm, hearing, so I'm, I'm hearing everything that you're saying. And, uh, and, but before Pumi asks you the, the question, I just want to get clarity from you. Did the DA actually breach the terms of the coalition agreement? That's all I'm asking. Yes. And, and that is, it's a and yes I or no question. Yes, they did. By implication, if you are going into an agreement, you have to respect no, your no, no, party. You see, no, you Actually, see, you are it, very amazing to me because you are able to, to have quite a long response that doesn't quite answer a very short uh, question. You're able to, to speak, and for a person who started out saying that you are not interested in the politics of politicking and have spent all of this time kind of politicking with all of us and not being honest with us about the terms that were breached and how what we hear you honest. very clearly as saying how well, how we honest. hear you very clearly saying is that you felt that the da was arrogant and therefore you were not going to stick to the terms of the agreement. Not that the DA broke the terms of the agreement in any way. That's what we hear you saying. Is that what you're saying? 
No, the DA broke the terms of the agreement by 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 us as partners. It is it is implicit in an agreement to say that we are open to discussion when we are proposing restructuring of a coalition. That's part of the agreement. And for them to take the position that the, the decision of whether or not it gets restructured is only determined by them is arrogant. And it's against the coalition, the spirit even of that of the coalition agreement. Because we don't work for the DA, it's a partnership. So by virtue of the fact that the agreement allows work with you. allows for us to have a conversation that says as partners it's time to restructure. Everyone did that. That's in, in all line. of That's- this. In all of this. In all of this, all of the politicking and all of the moving around of chairs. What then have you been able to deliver on your mandate that gave you one seat in council to the people who have voted for you? What have you been able to deliver? Do you mean as MMC of Health? I just explained that to you. No. You, you, <laughs> what did you, you deliver you, as MMC you, you of Health? You said you visited That clinics, you showed up all. to see Auntie Daisy. Yeah. That's all. That's what you did. You might as well be be paying a social visit. That's That's what you were doing. To minimize, to minimize the fact that (laughs) unlike any other politician, we're minimizing. We're we're evaluating you, and you you seem to me to just have done a social visit or two as MMC for health during your three month tenure there, which is probably why it was a good thing that didn't last much longer. (laughs) In three months, Gareth. In three months, right? The first thing you do, Einstein. You know, Ashley. He it, says, it let me just, to, let me just respond. Me that... Allow me to respond, please. Allow me to respond. Einstein says, if you are going, if he had one hour to change the world, he will use 55 minutes to understand the problem and five to fix it. In my That's three not months, Einstein. And you're no Einstein. That's not Einstein. That's Lincoln. But, but it's Einstein. Said that, it's Einstein. Okay, Nevertheless, uh, me, I don't trust you with, with all right. who does what. Ashley, can I, I tell you something? We don't can trust I tell, you Ashley, Ashley, Ashley. But Einstein is also a physicist. And no, you, you've, said, you've said quite a lot. Ashley, has, <clears throat> can I just throw this in? For me. The work that I've done in three months. What the is first the thing word? You do, Show us what you've done. What did you do? I went to clinics. Which visited clinics to understand the problem. Because they don't understand the problem. That's why they go to visit clinics because they have no idea of how medicine works, clearly. I mean, listen, it seems to me, Ashley, okay, Ashley, we've spent, we've spent, you must understand the problem. You know, it's been, I'm so glad, I'm so glad we had you on the show today. Why don't you ask the, why don't you ask the people who work in the department how to change the environment? Why don't you ask them? I dare you to go to help, ask anybody. About the changes that was brought, ask anybody within I have, three months. I have, you will hear. But we've asked you. We've asked and you. And I'm telling you, and but you, you are minimizing what I'm telling you. So why don't you go that to you them visited that you the don't clinic? To I can see why that you can't form coalitions. I can tell why it's impossible for anyone to work with you in government. You you don't listen to anyone. We've only known you for half an hour on this show. I didn't know you before this. Neither did Pumi. Neither did Canton. You are so impossible to have a conversation with that it must be. Even more difficult to run a coalition with someone like you. I don't know how anybody could deal with someone who so clearly is only interested in their own their own uh, forwarding and their their own their own political career. It seems to me that you just—I mean, you've even got it in your Twitter bio. Your your Twitter handle is MMC 
Saul's first, right? I mean, you're not the MMC anymore. Change that. No, I mean, you don't tell me what to do. I mean, you you guys are sitting here and you want me to right. submit to whatever it's been you very are nice. saying. And I it's been actually, very nice. No, I've, you just, I've, just asked, I've just That's asked wrong. questions. Yeah. I've, I've just asked questions. Nice to have you, you on. You see, Ashley, I just want to make, the, I want to make one point, okay? The reason why I'm so firm in terms of agreements is that at the point at which I sign an agreement, let's say with the bank, and if I go back to the bank and I'm having a discussion to renegotiate the terms of my loan, not that I have loans with the banks okay, because I'm debt-free, but let's park that. But if I'm going to the bank and I want to renegotiate the terms of my uh, of my loans, I can't walk away from there and say, I'm not going to be paying my installments to the bank because you guys are arrogant and racist. Yes, I, I accept that the banks are arrogant and racist, but I have signed an agreement with them. And my point very simply is, the other Patriotic Alliance was party to a signed coalition agreement. And so whether or not people are arrogant or racist, at the point at which you withdraw from an agreement that you have affixed your signature to, that is a breach of contract. And that's the issue that I have here. No, it's I'm, not. And I'm not, saying, and I'm not saying that you are not telling the truth in terms of the DA potentially being arrogant or racist. Not that I think that they are, because we had the mayor in here two weeks ago, and um, there are many words that I could use about the mayor, but arrogant and racist are certainly not terms that I would apply to her. So, you are, so my, you clearly, my, your, your position is clear, that you are in defense of the DA, right? So No, I'm in, I'm in defense you of just, the rule of law. Said, no, I'm in defense the rule of rule of, of law. So the yes. analogy that you use about about a loan with the bank, and if you have that yes. agreement, firstly, that wasn't the same kind of agreement. We don't owe the DA anything, right? Uh, and then we, furthermore, can, in, can in you do us a analogy, favor? Can you do us a favor? Can you tweet the, that coalition in, agreement? You know, actually the, bring it out into the why, open. Why don't you ask the DA which you are so in defense of? And I'm, I'm sure you've already read it from the, no, from the not, onset. No. You haven't listened to my responses. Not. From, from, the onset, from the onset, from the onset, you have not share listened the to my response. Ask the team to do so. Us. It's not our agreement; it's theirs, right? So they're still using it. We don't. We have no interest in it. So you can ask them. In terms of the the analogy that you used, if we sit and I have a loan agreement with the bank and I have an issue with how it's operating, and I sit with the bank and the leadership of the bank, and the bank gives me an impression that because we have this arrangement, I just need to sit and listen to them and I have no choice in the matter. I can opt out. I can go to another bank. This is what we've done. But because you're looking it through a lens that favors the DA and pulls down the PA no matter what we do, that's the reason why that's your position. And I'm not surprised and I'm not going to sit here and subject myself to your biased opinion, and I shouldn't respond in the way that I am. I don't care what you think about us or what you think about me. You I should, don't care. because we are voters. Okay. You should, well, you because we are voters. And I think that, you know, but and, as and thank voters, you for coming on the show. Thank you for but coming you are on presenters the show. Too. Thanks very much. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, and I think it, it's a, a fascinating uh, way to have an opportunity to see the people that we vote for and try and hear what it is that they're saying. I think it is a very eye-opening conversation here that we have had with the pastor. Wimpiza, 
Pastor Ashley Souls, a leader of uh, Make Elders Great Again, and now former MMC for Health in the Patriotic Alliance. You make your own decision. Which is the alter ego that you will be voting for? All right. Thank you, everybody. That's the burning platform for today. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. It was certainly different, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers. Cliffcentral.com.